This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. This episode of For Real is brought to you by TBR, Book Riot's service for tailored book recommendations, now available as a gift. Is your favorite book lover hard to shop for? Give the gift of TBR, Book Riot's subscription service offering tailored book recommendations for readers of all stripes. Choose from plans that allow your loved one to receive hardcover books in the mail or recommendations by email as a one-time gift or a year-long subscription and sit back while our bibliologists do the rest. When your recipient redeems their gift, they'll complete a profile to tell TBR about their reading preferences and what they're looking for, and they can even connect their Goodreads account. Then we'll match them up with a bibliologist who will hand-pick recommendations just for them. Gifts start at just $15, so there's an option for every budget. TBR is produced in partnership with Print, a bookstore in Portland, Maine, so when you treat someone's shelf, you're supporting an indie too. Visit mytbr.co slash gift to sign up today. That's mytbr.co slash gift. Welcome to For Real, a bi-weekly nonfiction books podcast that puts the spotlight on books that tell it like it is. Or try to. We'll cover new releases, backlist finds, and more. For Real is a Book Riot podcast and is hosted by me, Alice Burton, and fellow rioter Kim Yukura. We're recording on Thursday, June 4th. Hello, Kim. Hello, Alice. How are you today? You know that level of tired where it's like in your bones <laughs> and you're kind of just slumping around from place to place? I feel like that's where I am. Uh, how about you? Yes, I I feel similarly. It has been – I live in Minneapolis. I live in the Twin Cities, um, south of St. Paul, actually not in Minneapolis. But yeah, it's just been a lot the last couple of weeks that has spread other places. And it's been a challenging time for everyone, particularly members of the Black community here in Minnesota and everywhere. And um, so that's been on my mind a lot. But I think most of the people that I know are grateful at least that the national spotlight is having a focus on some of these issues around race and racism and police violence. And it's obviously heartbreaking that that is happening again and that it hasn't really changed yet. But it, f- it feels like maybe things are different this time. I don't know. Is that a vibe you have picked up at all? I think it feels different, um, definitely in terms of the energy around it. And I think that one of the more interesting things coming out of it as, you know, kind of in terms of like next steps is uh, we were talking a little bit before the podcast, but I was thinking about, okay, so in addition to, you know, like making these calls, writing these emails, how can I apply this to my daily life? And I realized, you know, like my interests are very much like history and books. So I was like, okay, so I have been, uh, especially on Instagram, being like, well, now I can I can talk about like black women in history more. So I've been like really trying to push that. And people have been posting about some women I'd never heard of before, which was awesome. So I've been reposting that. And so I was like, this is a really good opportunity to sort of be like, how can this be absorbed into what I do, what my interests are? and just like be more aware of the world at large and not just, you know, your own particular bubble and what uh, honestly just like the systems we have set up are pushing on the population at large. 
Yeah, I think so. And I, we were talking to you before, like, I feel good having a nonfiction podcast now because it gives us another opportunity to talk about how important it is to read books. And there's been such an outpouring, I think, of people. And there's there's such a wealth of amazing books and titles out right, right now that can teach and that you can give, take and have an opportunity to learn about these issues and um, start to really like expand your horizons and better understand like some of these deep histories and systems. And I think that's good and important for people to start doing that. But it's also been top of mind for me because um, I'm a person who will go to books, but then maybe not take the next step. So it's been an important thing for me to start thinking about what is the, the step beyond just reading a book to better understand something? What are the actions to take to try and help push change forward from whatever small platform that I have. So I've been thinking a lot about that. And we were talking to before, um, we have a few back issues of the podcast that if people are looking for particular recommendations around race, racism, those kinds of issues, we've got several back issues of the podcast specifically about those topics um, for like Black History Month and that kind of thing. So um, we try to incorporate diverse authors into the podcast every week. But if you're looking, um, there's plenty of back episodes that might help with that as well. So um, we hope that that will be helpful for people. I don't know. Anything else? Well, we can kind of sort of merge that into, I think, nonfiction in the news, which is exciting. Yes, the two news stories for this week are really good ones, I think. The first one I found is that Warner Brothers is making the movie Just Mercy available for free as an education on systemic racism. So um, Just Mercy is a movie starring Michael B. Jordan, um, all about Brian Stevenson, who is a lawyer and activist in the South who works on death row cases. And uh, Just Mercy is his memoir, and Just Mercy the movie was the uh, film based on that memoir, and it's available for free now to watch, um, which I am really excited about because I actually never got around to seeing it, which is ridiculous because I was so excited about it. I don't even remember why I didn't. So yeah, I'm excited that that is going to be available. I don't know if there's much in the news story beyond that it's there to rent for free. So on digital, which is great because none of us can go anywhere still. Exactly. (laughs) Uh, So we'll link to the Entertainment Weekly story that has some more information about that for you. And then the second story uh, is another really good one. So um, Stamped from the Beginning by Ibram X. Kendi is uh, one of the books that has been, I think, on a lot of people's uh, suggested reading lists. His other book, How to Be an Anti-Racist, I've seen on a lot of suggested reading lists right now. But uh, the audiobook version of Stamped from the Beginning is now available for free on Spotify. So you can download and listen to the entire thing for free, which I think is amazing. Stamped from the Beginning won the National Book Award for nonfiction in 2016. So it's a really big deal. Um, so I, I have that downloaded and ready to listen to. So yeah, and it's for free, which is great for everyone. Gosh, I think I remember it winning the National Book Award. And now I'm like, wasn't that last year? And so now I'm feeling old just from you saying 2016. I was like, oh, that was, oh, that's four years ago. Oh, uh, time, okay. has, time has no meaning. Oh, my God, it was. Oh, my goodness. Time has no meaning anymore. That seems accurate. All right. So a couple of pieces of, uh, I guess, good news in the world of nonfiction. Um, I'm sure we'll have more coming up next week. So um, with that, we will transition into um, new books. So talking about books that are coming out soon, uh, coming out recently. Um, There's a lot of June feels like things are kind of picking back up again a little bit. 
Uh, yeah, definitely. I think based on what I've seen there, we're going to have like a little bit of a slowdown in July. So it's possible that we can go back and like highlight some June releases mm. then. But we'll, I don't know, we'll see. As, as we've seen, a lot of pub dates are shifting like weekly. <laughs> so I actually mm-hmm. don't know what it's going to look like in July. But yeah. So my first new release uh, is really helpful for our current time. It is Youth to Power, Your Voice and How to Use It by Jamie Margolin. Uh, It's out June 2nd from Ashet Go. So Jamie Margolin has been organizing and protesting since she was 14 years old. Uh, She is now the co-leader of a global climate action movement. So she is basically talking about the, well, it's called Youth to Power, and she's talking about the power of youth. So this makes sense. She basically walks readers through every step of what effective, healthy, and intersectional activism looks like. So some of the chapters that she talks about are like your first steps, right? So like, where are you going to get started with this? Which is always, I feel like anytime you're doing a project, right, that that's kind of the most daunting aspect is you're like, I don't know where even to like lay things out. I don't know where to go. So your first steps, political writing and publishing to get a message across, which is um an interview section. I think it's really, I think that's one of the ones that drew me in the most just because of, I mean, I write. So I was like, if that's your inclination as well, they've got that. And also get creative using art for a cause, which I have zero talents in the art department, but I know many people are amazing artists. So um, it's kind of like, again, using what your particular skill set, your interests are, and channeling it into this very um, important sort of like whatever movement is is drawing you the most. So she, in this book, features interviews with activists, including Tokata Iron Eyes of the No Dapple movement and Nupol Kiazolu of the Black Lives Matter movement. And they give it guidance on handling backlash, keeping your mental health a priority, um, also important right now, and how to avoid getting taken advantage of. So awesome book for right now. Again, that is Youth to Power by Jamie Margolin. Oh, that sounds really good. My first pick is also just happens to be a Hashet Go title. Um, we did not plan that, but apparently uh, I just looked it up. They're a new imprint. They just started in March 2020, and they already have some really fun and interesting titles for us to talk about. So I imagine they will show up again. But my first book is a book called How We Show Up by Mia Birdsong. And so this is a book about connecting and some of the reasons why that is hard right now. So Mia Birdsong, she's a, an activist and uh, she often gives presentations to, you know, large groups and um, leaders and policymakers and that kind of thing. Um, and she opens the book by talking about how at many of these presentations afterwards, people will come up and talk to her and talk about how they kind of have all of the the things that the American dream says that you should have to be satisfied, and yet they feel uh, disconnected, and they feel lonely, and they feel like they are missing something from their lives. And so she goes on to talk about how the American dream or the idea of this sort of the life that we're supposed to have, a good job, a family, uh, upward mobility, all of those things can actually cause us to feel isolated and unhappy. Um, and so she really interrogates the American dream, but in a way that was new and interesting to me and about how it is deeply connected to ideas of racism and misogyny and um, capitalism and all of these values that we don't really have, but how those are kind of built into the structure of it and then causes it to not be satisfying when we achieve that or try to, to find community in other ways. So she talks about 
how community is really important and how it is part of how we can continue to make progress and how we can find um, connections uh, with other people in our lives. And so she talks about how the things that separate us aren't just uh, injustices in the world, but also the denial of our interdependence and the need for belonging, um, which I think is a really powerful idea. And so she talks about the walls that we put up around ourselves and how those are, are leading to our ways of disconnection. Um, and I just found it so inspiring, but also kind, I think is the best way to put it. I, I was reading uh, it and I just thought like, yes, like these are the things we need to be talking about. Like why, why is the world broken in some of these really fundamental ways? But she keeps coming at them in this very um, community-centered, kind and supportive and community-driven kind of way. And I think that that has been very comforting for me to read. So um, I have a, an ebook galley of this one and I like went and I <laughs> ordered a copy of it because I just want to have it in my hand and I want to be able to actually read it and like connect really with what she's trying to say. So I just feel like this one maybe landed exactly to me, landed to me in exactly the time that I needed to read it. And I'm really grateful for that. So um, that is How We Show Up by Mia Birdsong. That sounds awesome. And yeah, this idea of just how humans need community and we somehow keep pushing back on that <laughs> as an idea, even though it's been like proven time and time again that it's real. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm I'm really glad that this came out. My next pick is Girls Garage, How to Use Any Tool, Tackle Any Project, and Build the World You Want to See by Emily Pilaton. I wish that this, I feel like I said this last time, I wish that this book had been around when I was a teenager. <laughs> Because I just, I don't know how to do any of this stuff. And having some kind of a guide like this is so awesome. And I'm probably going to buy this. So she talks about from things from like, like really easy, like how to write out feet and inches, which I mean, you know, I, I know how to do that. But how to carry lumber. I have no idea how to do that safely. Find studs without a stud finder. Also, like, no. I had to hire someone to come in and hang up my TV because it's very large. And I was like, it's just going to fall right through the wall uh, if I don't <laughs> hire someone who knows what they're doing. And then how to start a small engine like a lawnmower, jumpstart a car, and in terms of our own interests on this podcast, how to build a modular bookshelf, which is a super cool project. So this has uh, over 175 illustrated tool guides, 11 how to projects, which is just about enough, 21 essential skills, and then they also have stories from builder girls and women because Emily Pilaton started the nonprofit Girls Garage, I, I believe starting in 2013. And this is for girls who are ages 9 to 18, and they come to a workshop and they're taught how to use power tools and build actual projects for their community. It's so cool. When I saw that this was coming out, I was like, yes, I am 100% highlighting this on the podcast. So again, that is Girls Garage, how to use any tool, tackle any project, and build the world you want to see by Emily Peloton. That sounds so inspiring. And yeah, I I don't really know how to do any of those things either. And I think my dad is a little disappointed in that about me. <laughs> so we both need to buy this book and take up woodworking. Yeah, no kidding. I wish that I were between the ages of nine and 18. I mean, not really in this world today, but in order to take like one of her workshops or something as like a youth and just feel like as I went into my adulthood, like I had this kind of background and knowledge. Um, it's just really cool. Yeah, that sounds super cool. That is a great pick. 
All right. My second new book pick is out June 2nd from my favorite Minnesota press, Grey Wolf Press, and it's called The Dragons, the Giant, the Women, a memoir by Wea Tumor. Uh, and this is a memoir about uh, escaping the first Liberian civil war and building a life in the United States. So um, when Wea Tumor was five years old, she is getting ready to celebrate her birthday, and it's going to be this really big, exciting party. But she spends the entire morning of the birthday party just like missing her mom because her mom has left Liberia and is working uh, and studying in New York City. And so um, she, you know, is thinking about that and experiencing that. But then before she gets to reunite with her mom coming back, the um, Liberian Civil War begins. And so their family is forced to flee from their home. And the early chapters of this book, they're really interesting. So she's a a fiction writer, too. And you can really tell that in the opening of the memoir because she is telling the book kind of from her perspective as a five-year-old. And so she uses that trick of sort of alluding to things that she's, like, hearing and seeing but that she doesn't really understand. And so you as the, like, adult outside reader are picking up on kind of the seriousness of what is happening. So she kind of shares some conversations she sort of kind of only heard and understood between her father and some of her other relatives and so I really like that kind of technique in fiction and she kind of deploys it really effectively in the opening of this memoir so it's right after her birthday the family um, is forced to flee their home on foot so they run out the back and then they flee into the the kind of woods behind their home and they walk and hide and kind of move through the world for about three weeks until they reach this small village Um, eventually a rebel soldier helps smuggle them from Liberia into Sierra Leone um, where the family is finally reunited and begins their journey to try and go and get to the United States. And so the book starts when she's very young, um, talks about her experience as a refugee, um, her time trying to adjust to being uh, living in Texas and being a black woman, an immigrant, um, and eventually her chance to return to Liberia. So like a lot of refugee memoirs, there's stuff in this book about searching for home and trying to kind of find yourself and family in the middle of a lot of upheaval and just kind of all of those different things. And I just think it's really just beautiful. Um, her writing is so vivid and she just has this beautiful sense of storytelling. And, um, I think that she, um, kind of uses her story to also look at the bigger kind of forces and challenges and pressures that are, um, affecting migrants and immigrants around the world, um, and kind of how all of those things have played out. I haven't gotten super far into this one because I've had a hard time with reading lately, but um, what I have read is really beautiful, and I'm just um, interested to keep going because I think it's going to be a really interesting story and it's really beautifully told. So that is uh, The Dragons, The Giant, The Women, a memoir by Waya Tumor. Um, and of course, we always have to call out a beautiful book cover, and this yes. one has such a good one. It's so good. It does. It has a stunning book cover. All right. So with that, we have wrapped up uh, new books for this week, although there are many new books in June. So we'll obviously we'll get to more uh, in the coming weeks and we will shift gears into our second sponsor, which is Book Riot Insiders, the digital hangout spot for the Book Riot community. Enrich your reading life with our new Book Riot Insiders perks. We've got three levels to Insider, short story, novel, and epic. Uh, You can try out any level for free for two weeks. The highlight is our new group read hosted online, which is available for Epic members. And there's no cap on the number of Epic members, so the more the merrier. Every quarter, we read a book voted on by subscribers, and that book will fulfill at least one task of the 2020 Read Harder Challenge. 
And then after the read-along, it gets capped off with a live chat. Uh, so you can get the full details on this and all of the other perks at insiders.bookriot.com. Um, and for subscribers, there are, we're working with a new featured vendor every quarter to create a deal just for insiders. Novel Level includes the new release index and a weekly email with the week's curated releases so you can stay up to date on all of the new books that are coming out. And for podcast listeners, the Epic Level will also include perks for all the books, the Book Riot podcast, and Get Booked. So again, you can find full details and join today at insiders.bookriot.com. I know that I've touched on this before, but the new release index like saves my life week after week. I'm always <laughs> just like, because not only is it saying, okay, here's, you know, the, all the new books uh, coming out per week, but also Liberty, who, uh, Liberty Hardy, who ad- administers it, puts so much work into it. It's so hard to find all of the books that are coming out at any given time. It's just a lot of labor. And she also, I noticed, has been updating them when they are like, their pub date gets moved, which is also like above and beyond. I'm just, I'm so excited about that as a feature of Book Riot Insiders. Just had to add that in once more. Yeah, it's so great. Even if you're not a person like Alice who has to put together a weekly new books uh, email, it's still really awesome to just kind of keep up on what's coming out. And I always scroll through it and find books that I had not heard of or um, Liberty just does a great job of kind of getting across tons and tons of genres. And it's, uh, it's a great tool for sure. All right, so um, our kind of weekly theme for this week, uh, because it's June, we're going to talk about books for Pride Month, which is a topic that we have done before, but is always worth revisiting. So we've got some Pride-related titles to share this month, and uh, Alice is up first. As frequent listeners to this podcast know, I am super gay, so this is a very exciting theme. So my first pick, I actually chose it because I was like, this is appropriate for not only what is going on now, but also Pride. Um, And I don't see it as often listed in Pride Reads. So it is How We Get Free, Black Feminism, and the Cumbie River Collective, edited by Kianga Yamata-Taylor. So, okay, let me just, I'm going to address the pronunciation of Cumbie, but I will put a pin in that and move forward with what this is about. The Cumbie River Collective uh, was a group of radical black lesbian feminists um, working out of Boston in the 1960s and 70s. It developed out of the anti-racist and women's liberation movements of that time. It was really instrumental in highlighting that both the white feminist movement and the civil rights movement were not addressing the needs, uh, their needs of the like the members of the River Collective as black women and as black lesbians more specifically. So what the book is, it has the statement that they put out in, um, it was in the 1970s. I don't have the exact year in my head. I want to say like 74, but that's probably wrong. But basically, they put this out, the statement talking about, they talk about intersectionality without using that word because that had yet to be invented. But like the ideas behind it, where you can't just, your oppression or the things you're dealing with are not just because of one identity that you have, but they are, all of your identities are affected and they are like interlinked. So they talk about that, which is just really fascinating. Um, They talk about their particular experience, why they created the Cumbie River Collective. And then after that, Kiyangi Yamata-Taylor, who is so brilliant and so incisive, interviews the members of it and then also interviews um, Alicia Garza of the Black Lives Matter movement. So it's like you have the pretty short, I want to say it's like 20-ish pages um, after an introduction by Kiyangi Yamata-Taylor. You have this pretty short like statement that they've printed, and then it's all interviews, and it's fascinating. 
<laughs> like, um, it's just these women who are going off. Kiyongi Yamata Taylor does this amazing job of like stepping back. You know, sometimes you read an interview and the comments from the person interviewing are longer than the answers mm-hmm. given by the interview subject. She does not do that. She just is like, interjects like little things, asks like maybe a couple lines sometimes, and then the person will go. And so it's so good because you mainly just get their perspective and like their history and what and like how it relates to now, why this statement is still relevant. Like, Oh, gosh. Okay, so, and then real quick with the pronunciation, because I hate not pronouncing things correctly. When she interviews, I think it's Barbara Smith at the beginning, and she asks, like, how did you pronounce this? Because the Cumbie River Collective is named after the place where Harriet Tubman, who was, you know, the first woman, I think the only woman to, like, lead a battle plan. I'm not an army person. I'm so sorry. But basically, she led this offensive and um, saved, I think it was over 700 black men and women. That was at the Cumbie River. So Barbara Smith says, well, we always pronounced it Combahee. And then I think I looked it up at some point. I think in the area they call it Cumbie. So I think you can maybe say it either way. Unsure. But in in essence, this book is really good. It's so relatively short. And uh, Haymarket Books publishes it, which they do such good work. And they are having sales all the time. So that's extra exciting. So again, that is How We Get Free, Black Feminism and the Cumbie River Collective, edited by Kianga Yamata Taylor. That sounds so fascinating. I had not heard about that book and, and most of that at all. So super cool. Yeah, and I love the idea of it just being sort of an oral history, but just interviews with people and giving them like space to share their experiences and their thoughts and their and all of that. I think people don't do that enough, you know? They don't. Like, like I just, I, that, yeah, that's awesome. What a good pick. Thank you. All right. So um, I decided to re-up a couple of books that I have mentioned in the past because I think that they are great for Pride Month and they're also great for the particular moment we're living in. And I think they will probably make their way onto many recommended uh, reads to understand the Black experience. And I, I want to highlight them again. So um, the first one is How We Fight for Our Lives, a memoir by Sade Jones. Uh, and this book came out last year. Uh, it was one of my favorite books of last year. It's really, really good. And it is a coming-of-age memoir by a young man about growing up Black and gay in the South um, and his life trying to find a place for himself and his family and his community and his country and all of those things. So the editor of the book um, has a quote in one of the um, sort of I think in the paperback version, uh, potentially, and I just, I love this quote so much that I'm just going to read it because he like explains the book in such a like clear and concise way. Um, so he calls it an unforgettable coming of age story of a bookish black gay teen from Texas as he learns to see himself in his dreams and as he learns to s- learns how his world sees him. And throughout, he reflects his nation back on itself, writing profoundly with a gorgeous, intimate style that's half prose and half poetry. It's a book that takes your breath away that you race through in a single sitting and then flip back to page one, which is so true. Wow. I know. So um, the book is really, I love the way that it's told in these kind of very short vignettes. And so uh, C. Jones writes about, you know, stories from when he was a little boy and when he was a teenager and a college student and a young adult. And they, um, they're they so quick and they're so um, laser focused that they just like get very particular quickly and particularly at this experience that he had and then just like moves into the next one until you just get this sort of like quick moving story that just kind of you just move through it so great um the writing he's a poet and so the writing is just 
it's so great. Like, it's evocative and it's honest. And he has this very clear voice. You get to the end of it and you feel like he's really just, like, spoken to you. Yeah, I just thought I loved that. His experiences are so are so heartbreaking, but also beautiful. Um, his relationship with his mother and in the book, it's challenging, but also so great. Um, his writing about kind of coming out as gay and how he kind of uh, learned to articulate that experience, but also like how hard and scary that was for a black kid in Texas was so moving to read. This book, uh, it was on the best book of the year lists by a bunch of different groups, NPR, Washington Post, The New Yorker, BuzzFeed, Goodreads, like all of those places. Um, and I, it's definitely worth it. It's such a really, such a good read. Um, so that is one I very highly recommend, How We Fight for Our Lives, a memoir by Said Jones. I really need to read that one. I know that you talked about it before and I was like, oh, I'll add that to my list. And then, you know, I have like 5,000 books on my list. So this is a good little bump it up thing, if you will. And it's a, I... It's it's not an easy read, like that's not the right word, but it's it moves so quickly that like you just kind of I remember when I read it, I sort of sat down, read half of it, and then was like, Oh, wow, time has has flown by and I was mad that I had to put it down and like move on to whatever the rest of my day was gonna be. So it just like moves along and I really but not in a way that yeah, it just it's really good. Awesome. Um, so my next book, I originally was not going to read because I found the title very off putting. I didn't know I mean, I suspected that it would be on a particular side based on the time in which we live, but I was like, gosh, that doesn't sound friendly. It is The Deviance War, The Homosexual versus the United States of America by Eric Cervini. Let me very quickly say this is very pro-gay as a book. <laughs> Let me just, I honestly, I was, I was concerned, but no, it is an intensely researched, very sort of scholarly biography of Frank Kameny, which we will get into who that is. Um, Eric Cervini, he is an award-winning historian of LGBTQIA culture and politics. He got his PhD in history from the University of Cambridge. It's, it's his first book, which... So I know that you don't like giant biographies, Kim. <laughs> this... Let me just look at my copy as I flip through it. I think it's, this clock's in around 400 pages, which I feel like is right around my personal cutoff point. Like if, if a bio is like 450, I'm like, I don't know. But um, this is just enough that I'm like, this is going to give me a lot of detail. And sometimes that's what I want. Just like you went through all of the documents and you just tell us <laughs> a whole lot about it. Okay, so who is Frank Kameny? Frank Kameny basically is one of the, well, he's been called one of the most significant figures in the American gay rights movement. In 1957, he was working as an astronomer for the U.S. Defense Department in Hawaii. He had been this incredibly brilliant child. He was very fascinated by astronomy throughout his life, and then he just kept going until he was working um, again for the Defense Department. So he gets this summons to report to D.C., and when he gets there, he has to talk to a bunch of people in interviews, and essentially they are like, well, we found out you were arrested for potentially a homosexual act, and so we are firing you. But the actual reason they gave on the, for the firing had to do with basically like a form error. They were like, well, you lied on this form, and he technically like didn't. So then he was like, well, but I didn't, so let me – he kept – basically the whole point of this book at the beginning is that he – kept pushing back on being fired and at, like at a time right where like you don't want a lot of attention on it if you were fired for being gay like in the 1950s oh my gosh so he formally appealed his firing by the u.s uh, civil service commission and in the end it was unsuccessful but 
the fact that he kept doing it, like kept with the lawsuit, was like such a huge thing. He also then he was part of the Mattachine Society, and that was the sort of like I feel I believe primarily focused on gay men, but like gay rights association or like just group for gay men. A lot of this, another reason I was interested in this book is that, especially when I first came out, I was like, I want to learn the history of queer women. Uh, There's too much out there about gay men and like there's not enough representation for women. And so I was like almost like obstinately not learning that much about gay male history. So I was like, you need to do some catch up work here. So I'm psyched about this book coming out a lot for that reason. So he wrote to President Kennedy asking him to change the rules on homosexuals being purged from the government, which also like, oh my gosh. He also launched some of the earliest public protests by gays and lesbians with a picket line at the White House in 1965, like just really doing a lot of important work for the gay rights movement. And if you want to learn more about, you kind of get an overview of some of the things going on in the movement, like as a whole, while also focusing in on this man's life. So if you want to kind of like zero in on an individual, but also learn about the movement starting in like the 1950s and then, you know, going forward. He died, I think, like around 2011. Then check out The Deviance War by Eric Servini. That sounds super fascinating. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I was laughing maybe like silently while you were talking about the length of it. So I was like 450 pages. Hmm, That's like right on the edge, too. I guess it would depend on how big the font was, whether I would pick that up or not. <laughs> well, I did text you. My friend bought me a book weight. And uh, this book is perfect for it because it's like a big hardcover and otherwise the pages just slam shut if you lay it open. But with a book weight, no, no. (laughs) Man, maybe I just need the right tools. And then if I had the right tools, I would be able to read giant biographies. But probably not. (laughs) Uh, All right. So uh, my last pick is also a memoir because that's the mood I'm in right now. Uh, so, uh, when They Call You a Terrorist, a Black Lives Matter memoir by Patrice Conkoolers and Asha Bandley. Um, this came out in uh, 2018. And this is a memoir about what it means to be a black woman in America and also about the co-founding of the Black Lives Matter movement. The author was raised by a single mom in a poor Los Angeles neighborhood where she uh, and her community, her family, experienced the prejudice and persecutions that um, black Americans uh, faced at the hands of law enforcement. She, um, thanks to hard work and uh, the support and push of her mother and her teachers, was able to get out of that her neighborhood. And she attended this well-supported charter school in an adjacent neighborhood as a, a young kid to try and use education as a way to get ahead. Um, she came out as queer at 16, was forced to move out of her home, and then developed relationships with other queer women in the kind of Los Angeles area. Area. And so this book is a memoir just kind of telling that whole experience um, and then about her early life as an activist, um, about the people who she's loved and who have loved her back, um, and about the 2000, 2013 founding of Black Lives Matter with Alicia Garza, who you mentioned earlier, and Opal Tomate. So I just, on the whole, this is a really excellent memoir. She is a very uh, specific in her stories. Like they're very, they're always very specifically about her and her experience, but always make sure to give them some context and connection to larger and persistent issues that are facing uh, people in the Black community. So I appreciate that she is always using her story, but giving context for, for bigger issues to try and understand the like deep love and respect that she has for her family 
recently and members of her neighborhood and community, um, the activists that she has worked with are just like embedded in every page. Um, and I found those stories super moving. The one thing about this book that disappointed me, I think, is more personal preference than anything else. And I wish I wish that there had been a little bit more about the launch of Black Lives Matter and how the movement kind of organized and grew out of that first moment. But I, I think that's more like my personal preference and that I like understanding how things work and how things are created and how just like the insider look at what um, activism and behind the scenes about of activism and protests and some of those things and really understanding what that is like and what is needed and what what space people need to take up. I, I wanted more of that, but I think that's more just like my personal preference and the things I like to read about than it is a specific like critique of the book. So I think this one is fascinating. I think it um, is particularly well taken um, given everything that's happening in the world right now. I think really getting a better understanding of where Black Lives Matter came from and the kind of personal history of some of the people who have helped found and push that movement forward is really worth understanding and worth reading about. So uh, that is When They Call You a Terrorist, a Black Lives Matter memoir by Patrice Kahn Coolers. I think in addition to like just your personal preference, I think it's also that whole journalistic background that you got. Yeah, that's true. (laughs) true. Being like, wait, but give me the facts. How did this get started? (laughs) That's true. That's true. (laughs) Oh, I can't take the journalists out of the grill, I guess. <laughs> All right. Uh, and so with that, we will wrap up as we normally do by talking about the books that we are reading uh, or right now or going to read soon. Um, I have a couple of books that are kind of next on my list. Um, I mentioned I have not been reading very much, but I'm hoping that maybe I will get my mojo back and I can pick up both of these. So um, the first one is one that we've talked about on the podcast many times before, uh, The Yellow House by Sarah Broom. Um, the book club I'm in is going to be talking about this book on Sunday, so I need to get going. <laughs> I'm going to be a good book club member. So this is a memoir about a family in New Orleans, uh, their their family home in New Orleans East, and sort of the whole history of the family in that neighborhood. So uh, the book starts in 1960 when Sarah Broom's mother, named a woman named Ivory May, bought a shotgun house in New Orleans East and then built their family there. Um, when she was widowed, married Sarah's father, Simon Broom, and then their family of 12 children eventually lived in that home. Um, but eventually the home is wiped off the map after Hurricane Katrina. And so it's a book about family and home in New Orleans that I am very interested in reading. I have meant to pick it up for so long and I just keep not doing it. So hopefully book club will be the push I need to get over the edge and finish it. Yeah, you got to get read that book club book. Yeah. And then the other book that I, I just uh, ordered that I'm waiting to come in the mail that I'm interested in, uh, it's called Reclaiming Our Space, How Black Feminists Are Changing the World from the Tweets to the Streets by Feminista Jones. And I ordered this one because I've been having a complicated uh, reaction to kind of all of the social media activism that's happening right now. Um, and I really want to understand the roots of that better and try to um, think about ways that it can be useful instead of difficult. Like, I just have a hard time with social media activism, and I really, but I know that it's important, and I know that it is a space for people who feel like they don't have other spaces, and so I want to understand that better. So I found this book, and I am excited about it. So those are my two next reads. You mean for the social media, you mean like the performative nature of it, like how it can it can fall into that? Yeah, it can fall into that so easily. And I it makes me want to avoid all of it. But I don't think that that's the right answer either. Um, and so I'm I'm 
want to learn more about the ways in which social media can be a tool for change and think about ways that I can be a part of that that's valuable rather than performative. That makes sense. So I picked up, again, Thick and Other Essays by Tracy McMillan Cottom. Like, she's so smart and she's so funny and she's so interesting. And honestly, if you're not following her on Twitter, you should. So this Thick is, um, didn't it, did it win the National Book Award? I should come into our reading now with more facts. It was either, it either won or was like, like a finalist for, um, I think it won though. So she talks through eight essays on beauty, media, money. She talks about black Twitter snark and, um, things like Saturday Night Live, LinkedIn, Barbecue Becky. And, but also, you know, like Trump rallies and infant mortality. And just like, I just really, I find her voice to be one that, I think a lot of people will respond well to you. Like if you haven't read her writing before, I think it's extremely like academic, but also not extremely academic, but like it's academic, but also extremely like easy to read, which is a real feat <laughs> for someone with a PhD where it feels like they kind of train you to not write in an accessible way. And she also, she wrote Lower Ed as well, um, which I have not read, but am interested in. So yeah, no, I was psyched to pick it up again just because it's it's really good. So again, that's Thick by Tressie McMillan Cottom. And with that goodness, you can find us on social media. I'm at It's Alice Time. Kim is at Kim the Dork. And if you have a minute and feel so inclined, we would love it if you would rate and review the podcast on Apple Podcasts. Uh, That helps people find us more easily. And then while you're there, you can subscribe so that you'll get new episodes the very minute that they come out. Um, With that, I am Kim Ukra. And I'm Alice Burton. And we thank you for listening to this week's episode of the For Real Podcast.